Welcome to worship here uh, at the well. We are so glad that you have joined us this morning. Um, if you would, uh, would you guys welcome with me the guests that we have here uh, today? If you are a guest with us, uh, we would just ask that you would reach in the seat back pocket in front of you uh, and that you would fill out the connection card that's right there with as much information as you feel comfortable giving to us. And then you can drop that off at our connection point. We have a free gift that's waiting just for you, uh, just a way for uh, our church to say thank you for joining us on such a, a precious day as, as we see Sunday every, um, every single week. Um, and so just welcome, welcome, welcome from, uh, from the well to, uh, to you. Uh, now church, today uh, is Sunday and what, uh, what better day to gather um, and not just gather and worship and lift the name uh, of God high, uh, but today is a day that we get to give. Woo! That's right, we, we get to give. Um, first, I just, I just want to say something real quick. Um, it brings uh, much joy uh, to my soul as a pastor uh, that, um, that I have a body of believers uh, that gets excited about giving to the work and the mission of Jesus Christ in and through our church. And so um, there are many ways, yeah, that's right, yeah, that's right. There are many ways that you can give. You can do so online. There's giving boxes there in the back. You can mail it into the church office. Um, and if you haven't had an opportunity to do so, you can do so now or uh, you can uh, give before you leave uh, today and we'll get that taken care of for you. Uh, now, if you are in here, um, how many of you went to our worship night on Friday night? It was such a great time, was it not? Uh, we had such a blessed time. Uh, there, were, there were over 40 people here for our worship night. We had a great time of prayer. Uh, just all, the whole night was uh, amazing. Um, and just thanks to our, our worship team, our tech team, for making that possible for us. Um, and then uh, if you are um, a guy in here, uh, I need your attention for just a moment. This coming Saturday morning at 8 a.m., uh, we are doing a men's breakfast happening right, down, uh, right downstairs. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet. If you would just sign up uh, your name to come to that. It's only going to be about an hour and a half long. Uh, there's going to be a challenge for us. We're going to have a, a time of eating and fellowship. Uh, men, uh, I know you don't want to uh, miss breakfast uh, that morning. And so be here. Uh, commit to bringing something uh, so that way it doesn't fall on one or two people to make everybody breakfast. Uh, so sign up. Be here this Saturday, 8 a.m. And then next Friday night, if you are here and you have never ever become a member here at the well and you'd like information about what membership looks like, uh, please come to our membership dinner uh, that is next Friday. Coming to the dinner does not commit you uh, to becoming a member. It's, it's coming to connect with others, uh, to connect with our church board, uh, but also to uh, learn about what membership means here uh, at the well and how you can get plugged in um, and serving the Lord here uh, in this church and out into to our community. So that's next Friday. Uh, there is a sign-up sheet for that as well. We need to know how many people are coming. And I'll just let you in on a little secret. We're doing a taco bar. Uh, so you do not want to miss it. We're doing a taco bar. Uh, so um, if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn with me uh, to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. Um, we're continuing on week, uh, week number five in our series, How To. We've covered various different topics about how the church is to uh, look, act, and respond here in this building and then how that translates out into our community. 
And so this morning we're going to be tackling a topic uh, called edification. How do we edify uh, one another? How to? How to edify? Now, uh, you may be thinking, yes, we're going to hear a bunch of really cool things about specific phrases and words that we can say uh, to build up our brothers and sisters. No. Um, wrong. Um, I, I will hopefully challenge us from the opposite side of things, the side that churches often don't look at when we talk about edification. But first, before we get there, I need a show of hands. I need a little bit of participation from you this morning. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words could never hurt me? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words could never hurt me. That statement, church, is a lie. That statement is an absolute lie. Words can hurt worse than any broken bone in the human body. Words, I'm I'm talking about our speech here, is truly more powerful than we could possibly imagine. In fact, it is so powerful that the writer of Proverbs told us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Meaning that words we hear have a huge impact on our lives. Words like accepted or denied. Words like pass or fail. Words like hired or fired. Phrases like I love you or I don't love you. Phrases like I want to marry you or I want a divorce. Words like malignant or benign. A single word or a single phrase can change your life and outlook very quickly. Would you agree with me, church? There's a a poem writer by the name of Roxy Smith, and this is what she said. It's going to come to the screen for you. It says, the words that we say leave scratches deep upon the surface bare. We can remove the varnish, but the markings are still there. Some things there are we cannot mend or rest a former glow. For once the grain is scored in pain, the scars will ever show. Our speech, church, the words that we choose to say have great effect on people's lives. Some of us are here today and our lives have been ripped apart and ruined by someone else's words. Do you ever wish that you could just go back and undo something that you said in the past? It was Winston Churchill that said, we are the masters of all the unsaid words, but we are slaves of those we let slip out. We're slave to the things that we let slip out. You know, as a pastor and a counselor, I have spent countless hours helping people overcome the harsh and critical and negative, destructive words that have hurt and hindered people in their lives. Many lives have all but been destroyed by the words of another person. What we say, church, is of utmost importance. So let me ask you this question before we go any further. Have you ever said too much? Have you ever just said too much? It was the writer of Proverbs that said, Where words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whosoever restrains his lips is prudent. Is prudent. You know, for many people, the more we talk, the more we sin. There is much more potential to sin than when we are listening. In fact, many of us could bless others and keep ourselves from sin simply by speaking less and restraining our lips. But please, please know, church, God wants us to use our speech in a way that builds up, not tears down. 
God wants us to use our words that help develop another person, not destroy them or their character. He wants us to use words that help and not hurt. Words that will heal and not hinder. I want you to write this down. If you are a note taker, gold star student, I want you to write down edification is tied to communication. Edification is tied to communication. To edify somebody means to encourage them with your words. It means that you enhance their life by your speech or you bless them with your communication. The the word edify in scripture literally comes from the Greek word meaning to build up. To build up. And so it carries with it this idea of of an architect who designs something or constructs something. And in it, using our speech, it helps grow someone spiritually. It builds into their life to edify, to edify. You know, there are multiple passages of Scripture in, in which God commands his family to edify one another. There, there isn't something in the Bible that we're just told to do every once in a while, or if we feel like edifying somebody else, we are commanded to edify. In fact, Hebrews tells us to edify one another as long as it's called today. And, and guess what, church? We're still alive, we're still kicking, and Christ has not returned, so today is that day. Now, Paul said in the book of Romans, chapter 15, he said, Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good unto edification. Please his neighbor. You know, all too often, Christians find it easier to tear each other down instead of building each other up. It's a classic strategy, though, of Satan against the church that we as the body of believers have to resist. That's why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5 that comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. He was encouraging the church to continue doing what God had commanded them to do. Do you know, it was very clear all throughout the New Testament that the earlier, the primitive churches in the New Testament um, that, that they, they had a place in which the care for the soul of man was not delegated to an official officer in the church, but it was, not, it was not given to the gifted people among them. It was commanded for the entire body to be involved in the edification process. And so it works in which every believer has to have a share in edifying the other believers of the church. Now, I want you to look with me if you're there in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're, we've got a lot of ground to cover this morning, and I'm not going to have enough time to unpack everything here in this chapter or in, in another place in Scripture that we're going to look. Um, and so just bear with me um, as we go through this. I want us to start in verse number 15. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way, into him who is the head, into Christ Jesus. Now, I want us to stop right there for just a moment. This phrase right here speaks to not only how we are to relate to one another in God's family, but also how we as as saints are to deal with those who are deceivers and manipulators. Rather, speaking the truth in love. Now, we should deal with all people in love while we never budge from truth. We, we deal with them in love. We never budge from truth. Now, look back. I'm going to read it again. Verse number 15. 
Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ Jesus, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly. If you have uh, your physical Bible, I want you to highlight that phrase, working properly, working properly. And it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Maturity, church, I want us to stop. Maturity is described as growing up into Jesus. That's spiritual maturity. And these verses define for us as a church the direction that we need to head in order to attain spiritual maturity. The evidence of maturity here says that the leaders and the saints are all doing their job. It is working properly, is what Paul said. means that every part... It means that every joint, means that every person provides what it can supply in a coordinated effort in order to bring glory to God. You know when this happens, when every person does their part, it naturally causes growth in the body. And I'm not just talking about numerically. Like new, new bodies will be in the building. But I'm talking about in spiritual strength for our church. There is growth when every person plays their part. But especially growth for building itself up in love. Do you know some people, um, and I'm not talking about anybody here in this church at all. Some people think the church is a pyramid and the pastor is on top. And other people think that the church is, is like a bus that's being driven by the, pas- uh, by the pastor. And he takes his passive passengers wherever they need to go. When in fact, God wants us to see the church as a body. God wants us to see that every part, every person does their share. That means that every person in some capacity is serving in some way in the church. That means that every person is in some way connected to evangelism and discipleship. The reaching of the lost and the making of disciples as we're commanded. You know, I just told our church this last Wednesday at our discipleship and evangelism night that we cannot call ourselves a biblical church unless we are actively involved in evangelism and discipleship because it was what we were called to do as a body of believers. It's the only way that we're truly following after God. Right before Christ's death, he He called and commanded the disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. And guess what, church? That includes us too in the New Testament body of believers. And so we as a church have to all actively be involved. Look now at verse number 17. He says, Now this I say, and I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, Because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self which belongs to the former manner of life. And it is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Hmm, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? I think Paul says that in another passage of scripture. To be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Verse 24. And to put on the new self that is created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. 
Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that they may have something to share with anyone in need. Church, this is probably one of the hardest portions of Scripture. He says in verse 29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Anybody ever fell in that category before? Let corrupting talk fall from our mouths? Let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths, but only such as is good for what? It's right there. As is good for what? Building up. There's that word edification. As fit for the occasion that it may give grace. And this is another phrase I want you to highlight. That it may give grace to those who hear. That it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And there'll be more on that verse in the weeks to come. There is a phrase, though, here in this chunk of Scripture, and I want us to not overlook it. It says that it may give grace to those who hear. That it may give grace to those who hear. I want to implant into our thinking something this morning. An idea that we use our mouths as a means of grace in the lives of other people. I want to implant that thought. That we use our mouths as a means of grace to impact people around us. Our speech is a ministry because grace is to be given even when people don't deserve it. Amen, church? Even when people don't deserve it, our words should still speak life. Think about, think about this for just a moment. Imagine with me, there was a person laying right here and they were unconscious. And I had to give them mouth-to-mouth resuscitation in order to bring life into them. The moment that I breathe into their lungs, I am in essence using my mouth to bring life into another person. My mouth becomes the channel through which life is given. And the same is true when it comes to our speech. It is true. We use our mouths to give words of life. Now, if we're ever going to use our words, though, as God intended them and to edify one another, we have to understand something. We have to understand something very important. It's going to hit the screen for you. The first thing I need us to see this morning is that most people have misdiagnosed their speech problem. Most people have misdiagnosed their speech problem. Now, you, be, you may be thinking, what on earth is he talking about? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to give you the answer. Here's what I mean. Most of us know how to talk, right? Everyone know how to talk? Raise your hand. Great. We all know how to speak our mind. Everyone know how to speak your mind? Yeah, yes. We can communicate just fine with one another, but that's not the issue. Most of us in this room do not have a medical condition that prohibits us or hinders us from speaking effectively. But most of us have a spiritual issue that tends to ruin our ability to edify one another. I'm going to say it again. 
most of us do not have a medical condition that prohibits us or hinders us from speaking effectively. But most of us have a spiritual issue that tends to ruin our ability to edify. Have you ever had your mouth washed out with soap? Right? Or you've ever been threatened by, by, by somebody? Right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a story with you from my childhood. So um, growing up, uh, my mom and dad, um, I, I would say that they were pretty firm in the rules that we had as children. Um, and if you broke a rule, there was always a punishment uh, that occurred following uh, breaking that rule. And uh, our parents wanted to instill in us um, not just good behavior, but that every action had a consequence that followed, whether good or bad. There was a consequence. I remember uh, as, as a very young child, um, I heard my mom often um, times when um, my siblings and I would fight with each other, which was a rarity. Um, that was, I'm sorry, um, that we actually fought all the time. Um, I had four sisters. I was the only boy. I was the middle child. Uh, it was a nightmare in my home for me. Um, but my, my mom oftentimes would threaten us, if you say that one more time, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. And when I was in fourth grade, um, I remember I was, I was fighting with my sister Jordan, who's just younger than I am. And I remember um, very, very vividly um, that I told my sister that she was ugly and that she was stupid. Um, and in my head, um, I was justified in what I said, and that's why I said it. But I remember my mom was like, go to the bathroom right now. And I was like, I don't have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and she walked in our, our bathroom downstairs, and we had this little half bath in the house that we were living in. And she grabbed the bar, um, the, the green and white bar, uh, Irish spring soap. And she, she's like, you're going to clean your mouth out with soap and I'm not letting you out of this bathroom until it happens. Now, as funny as this story is, um, that moment in my life, uh, something changed. One, I never wanted to put soap in my mouth ever again. Um, but two, my, my words changed for just a few weeks. I was careful and cautious as to what I said around my mother because I didn't want soap in my mouth. But the problem was is that two or three weeks in, my mouth went right back to doing and saying the same things that it did. Why? Because my mouth was not the issue. In fact, our parents' efforts to clean out our mouth were misplaced. The problem was not necessarily the things that we were saying, but where those words came from in our life. Where they came from. What they should have been doing was trying to clean our heart. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, He said, But those things which proceed out of the mouth, they come forth from where, church? The heart. And what do they do to the man? They defile the man. They defile them. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. For out of the heart proceeds murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness or, or lying, deceitfulness, and blasphemies. 
Do you know, Jesus amplified the point in this portion of Scripture that we are defiled from the inside rather than from the outside in. Jesus boldly, boldly said that the evil things that come from our mouth come from our innermost nature. Deep with inside of us. Church, I don't want us to miss this this morning because this is so important to our spiritual growth as individuals in a church. These things that proceed from our mouth are not accidents. They are not mere mistakes in the life of a believer. They reveal how corrupt we are in our fallen nature. The heart is the source of man's true character and therefore it will show whether you are pure or impure. Every time it will show. Oftentimes we think that the heart is just merely the seat of our emotions, but that is not true, church. It is the true person as we really are, not just as we appear to be outwardly. Our heart. Our heart. Murders do not begin with a gun or a knife, but with the malice inside of one's soul. Adultery, fornication, they're first gloated over in the thoughts and the heart of man, and then they are enacted in the body. It was Charles Spurgeon that said, The heart is the cage from where these unclean birds fly forth. The heart is the cage. You know, said plainly, Many people who worry about external habits should care more about what comes out of their mouth. You know, we, we do more against God and His people by what we say than by what we do. And we will never, ever, ever truly edify one another until we identify that our words are a window into our heart. We may be able to curb our speech, but that's not the issue. It's what's inside that needs to be addressed, church. So I want you to write this down. I want you to note it. The tongue bears testament to what's inside your heart. The tongue bears testament to what's inside your heart. You know, the the heart then becomes the storehouse of our words. And when we speak, we really reveal what's going on inside of us. You know, we might be able to clean up our potty mouth or we might be able to say nice words now and again or speak in ways that would give people the impression that we're really nice and that we're really sweet, but eventually what's inside will work its way out of us. And it's not just our words, it's when we say them. It's even how we say them and it's even the body language that's associated with what we say. Do you, ever, do you ever have one of these incidences where uh, someone's talking and you, you have some really negative thoughts about the things that they say and so you just do this right here? You just shake your head but you say nothing at all. What about, what about uh, my favorite, um, the, the teenage eye roll, right? Where you feel like their eyes are going to float all the way to the back of their head because they rolled them so hard, Right? The eye roll. You don't say anything, but you roll your eyes at something that somebody's saying or doing. What what about the deep breath and then the impending sigh that follows it? Our body language gives us away. 
The heart, church, is the center and the core of who you and I are. And our speech, whether verbal or nonverbal, shows what is going on inside of us. But I don't want us to fall into the same category that I found myself in after my mouth was washed out with soap. I'm not coming before you today as your pastor to teach you how to walk in behavior modification. I'm here to talk to us about heart transformation. Behavior modification will only last so long. Why? Because it's not genuine and authentic and it doesn't come from God. Heart transformation changes the life radically and puts you on a completely different trajectory than where you were before. So church, we must know that if we want to change our speech and use our communication to edify others, we must seek God in order to have our hearts and our minds cleansed and purified. Why do you think David prayed to have a guard set over his heart and mind. In Psalm chapter 19, he said, let the words of my mouth and let the meditation of my heart, David said. He said, let it be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know, David closed out a glorious chapter in the book of Psalms when he said that. When he humbly surrendered his mouth and his heart to God. Do you know, he knew that real godliness was not only a matter of what a man did, but it was also what he thought in his heart. David did not proclaim proudly at the end of chapter 19 that he was innocent and blameless. In fact, he pleaded with God to make him innocent and blameless by the transforming power that was within him. Do you know that David prayed a few chapters later and he said, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and keep the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to anything that is evil to practice wicked ways. When was the last time we prayed that? You know, David asked God to keep a watch over the door of his lips so that he would not say anything foolish or evil and he would not do anything foolish or evil. David knew that it was more than just his lips that needed protection. In fact, his heart could also be affected by evil things that would result in the wicked works. And so David's way of praying was exactly what Jesus prayed when he was teaching the disciples how to pray. When Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's exactly what David prayed thousands of years prior. Don't don't incline my heart to do evil, Lord. Don't incline me to do evil. You know, what we think about often becomes the basis of our speech. And in Scripture, the heart and the mind are linked and many times seen as one and the same. When David said the meditation of my heart, we might often run to think mind, but not heart. But we can see how the heart is not only the storehouse, but the heart is also the processing center of the believer. You know, what we dwell on, And what we hold on to and what we ponder directly affects our speech and our actions. And so if we 
if we are here today and we're constantly thinking on all of the negative and wrong and bad things that have happened to us and all of the hurtful ways in which people have spoken about us and towards us and to us and all of the fights that we've ever been in, well, what do you think's going to happen? You're going to begin to develop unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart. And I'm going to cover those things in the next couple of weeks here uh, in this series. But what happens is those things begin to spew out of you because that's what you're putting into yourself. I'm not sitting up here as your pastor to be like, have positive thinking and your whole life's going to be grand. No, that's not true. That's not the case at all. In fact, if we, if we want to go look at Job's life for just a moment... Man, Job's life was a, Job was a man who worshipped and honored God and everything was taken from him. Everything. Everything that he had. And the people that would le- were left, in fact, you would think that Job would be in a really good place because his wife was not taken from him. Mistake. His wife was deceitful and manipulative and actually tried to get him to sin against God. Man, Job had nothing. Not even his friends were good to him. Things happen in our lives, church. Trials occur. Temptations come into our life. And the only way, the only way to get through them is to think on truth. The only way. Why do you think we were commanded to cast down imaginations and every high and lofty thought and take them captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ? Why? Because that was the only way. Jesus was the linchpin to everything in this life, church. And so for us, yes, we've misdiagnosed oftentimes our speech problem. But the second thing I need us to see is that the battle for our purity in the mouth is fought within our heart. It's fought within our heart. Jesus said in in the book of Luke that for no good tree bears bad fruit. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a a bramble bush. You know, the fruit is the inevitable result of who we are. Eventually, though it may take time for the harvest to come, the good or the bad fruit in your life will become evident and it will reveal what sort of tree you are. And not every tree is the same, church. As believers, what we realize is that our speech is an indication of who controls our heart. Who controls our heart? Our words reveal the heart. You know, there, if there is good treasure in the heart of man it will show. If there is evil, that will also show. Our words say more about us than we think they do, and they reveal that some men are good and some are evil. People should know that we are different, not by our actions, but by our speech patterns. You guys remember our series in the book of James? Our series in the book of James. You know, we're reminded by James that our speech was an indication of our spiritual condition. I want us to hang tight. Hang tight right there. I'm going to walk over to James. And you don't have to turn there. But I want to read to us something from the book of James, chapter 3. He says that not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. 
For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body and setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine bear, uh, produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The text here talks about the bit and the rudder. A bit and a rudder are so small, but they are extremely important. If they are not controlled, the entire horse is out of control. If the bit does not control the horse, the entire horse is out of control. If the rudder does not control the ship, the entire ship is out of control. It's possible for something as small as the tongue to have tremendous power for either good or evil. You don't solve prob the problem of an unruly horse by keeping it locked in the barn. You don't solve the problem of a hard-to-steer ship by keeping it tied to the dock. In the same way, Christian, the vow of silence is not the answer for the misuse of our tongue. If the tongue is like the bit in the mouth of a horse, or it's like the rudder on the ship, it leaves us with the question, who holds the reins of your tongue? Who steers the rudder of your ship? And some people have no hand on the reins or the rudder and therefore they say whatever comes to their mind. And others direct their tongues from their emotions or aspects of their carnal nature. James points us towards having the Spirit of God working through the new man and directing the reins and the rudders of what we call our tongue. Church, what others say to us and what we say to others can have long-lasting effects for good or for evil. The casual, sarcastic, or critical remark can inflict a lasting injury on a person for a lifetime. And so can the, the well-timed encouragement and compliment. It can inspire somebody for a lifetime. Proverbs speaks of the person who doesn't consider the destructive power of their words. And, and he says that like a madman, who throws firebrands and arrows and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and then says, I was only joking. A true believer is known by their speech. A true believer. Our speech not only shows our salvation, 
but it speaks to our sanctification in our relationship with the Lord. Paul said in Colossians chapter 4, let your speech be always filled with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. You know what salt does, right? It makes things taste better. But it also keeps decay away because it's a preserver. And we should ask ourselves this morning, are the words that we speak to others, are they edible and digestible? Are they? And the last point that I want us to see this morning is that edification must be a family priority. Must be a family priority. And as we begin to land um, the plane, our speech is a spiritual issue, church. It's more than just a means of communication. It's a way that we minister grace to people. It's easy to gossip. Do you agree with me? It's easy to slander. It's easy to judge. It's easy to spread a rumor. It takes no effort whatsoever. But to minister grace to a spiritual issue requires us to be under the control and the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to look back at verse number 30 here in Ephesians 4. He says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do you know grieve means to affect with sorrow? To affect with sorrow. We not only silence the Spirit's work in our life, but we can also sadden the Spirit. You know, I've come to learn in, in the 25, 6, 7, 28 years of being a Christian, I've come to learn that the Holy Spirit's grief is not a petty, oversensitive grief. That the Holy Spirit is grieved with us mainly for our own sake. Because He knows what misery our sin costs us. But He grieves over us because He knows how much chastisement we will incur and how much communion we lose when we sin and grieve the Holy Spirit. When we don't do what we know we should. And as a family and as a church, we are called to edify, to build up one another. And that happens through wholesome speech and loving words. You know, relationships are held together by love and they are built up through communication. Church, I want you to write this down as we begin to close. The currency of love is exchanged through grace-filled and edifying communication. The currency of love. You know, when Jesus said that we will, they will know that we are his disciples by our love. He was speaking to the fact that by the very way people observe our speech, they would be able to distinguish us a difference between the world and those who follow him. You know, a life filled with a love for Christ comes out of our language to other people. Our speech lets people know that our life is under the control of someone that is greater than we are. Remember what James said, no man can tame the tongue. That's why in the end, you and I can't control our speech until we've yielded our heart to Jesus Christ. That's why people should look at us and know that we are believers because they should see something different in the way that we talk. People should hear in our speech to one another as a family the sound of edification Our words should be grace-filled. They should be loving. They should be kind. They should be uplifting and wholesome words. Words that bring hope. I've had 
opportunities through missions trips and vacations and um, and whatnot in my life to go uh, into churches all all over the place. One of my favorite things to do is to go inside really old churches. I love it. The high arched ceilings, the beautiful architecture. Um, In fact, I've been in churches that had stone and marble floor, marble pillars and, and marble finishing. You know, one of the main reasons that churches were built that way was for sound, for sound. The echo heard in those church buildings was unlike anything that modern technology can reproduce. It's not the same. Once you hear the echo in that building, you're hooked like that. It's amazing. You know, the the word echo means a sound that is reflected from a solid body. A sound that is heard again near its source. In architectural terms, it's the building being created to what they would say redouble sound. Church, God is, is wanting us to be a body of believers that is echoing with the sound of edification coming from the source. To have a love for Christ that is heard over and over and over again that blesses and builds up our brothers and sisters and it draws people to Christ. It draws people. Our lives and our church should be echoing with the sound of edification. And so church, I want to ask us to do something this morning. Something that's going to make I would say probably a good portion of this room really uncomfortable. And I'm glad I get to be a part of it. I'm going to pray in just a moment. And I'm going to ask of each one of you, even those in the balcony, I'm going to ask each one of you before you leave the building here today um, to do something that I like to call B and E. I'm not talking about bacon and eggs, and I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about breaking and entering either. I want us to do a B&E, a build and edify. A build and edify. I want you to go to two people here in this building before you leave today. I want you to go to two different people. They cannot be your spouse. They cannot be your child or relative. You need to go to two people in this building, and I want you to build and edify that person and when I, when I say that, I don't mean going and telling someone their hair looks nice or the clothes they have on are really cute. I'm talking about using the Word of God to build up and speak life into somebody else. Two people. Two people before you leave today. I want to challenge you. I'm, I'm going to stand at the door back there and I'm going to ask you as you... No, I'm not going to. I should, but... No. Two people. I'm not going to tell you who, I'm not going to tell you what to say, but two people, I want you to connect with two different people and and build and be any, do a build and edify. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
I come to you in this place, Lord, and we just thank you for these truths that minister to our hearts. So, Lord, help our mouths to be instruments of grace into the lives of other people. Lord, use what we've learned today to be challenged about our speech, to be challenged uh, to have our heart checked, God, by your scripture, by your truth. And so, Lord, I ask I ask now that you would give us boldness, that you would give us courage in this moment to step out of our comfort zone and connect with the body of believers that gathers here every Sunday to lift you high. God, give us words. Holy Spirit, help us to edify and build up our brothers and sisters in this place. And I ask and pray these things now in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen, amen, and amen. Church, we thank you for being here. Um, Don't forget youth group is tonight at 5 p.m.